0: Well, I felt just there, uh, as Pastor Jonathan was taking the the, the offering, I just really felt to encourage you. You know, the Lord taught us to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, and with all of the threats of inflation and the price of gas, the price of food, all of these things. I think it's very important to pray every day. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. I don't think that's repetition. I think it's important. And I believe God has supernatural provision. Amen. His provision can be greater than our need in any situation. So anyway, just want to encourage you that this morning. Ask for your patience. I have a tooth problem. So I'm preaching with a retainer. If it comes out of. You will know what happened. Oh, move my hand up. Oh, sorry. I've been on vacation. I forgot how to preach. Um, anyway, so if you hear a little slur, I'm not drunk. I don't have a lisp. And I haven't had a stroke. So just so you know. I am going to the dentist this week. We will fix the problem. But until we do, we have a problem. So that's how it is. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter. All through this week, there's a, a passage, just a phrase of this scripture that's been in my heart. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It just was in my spirit, and I'm going, Lord, what, what is this? What are you saying? And so uh, I got home yesterday, and with my limited library at home, I tried to do the best I could to, to, to decipher this passage of Scripture that I'm sharing with you today, but I find in it an incredible promise, and that's what I want to put before you today. So reading from 1 Timothy 6, beginning with verse 3, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. That's a clear statement. The doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words which, from which come envy, strife, reveling evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men with corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from some such ones, withdraw yourself. Now, those verses tell us what not to do. What not to do. To pay attention to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that set forth what godliness really is and not to get involved in disputes and arguments and wranglings. Amen. Um, I used to like to debate. And uh, in fact, um, I used to have some interesting debates with your present lead pastor. Um. I had several debates with my wife. I'm still waiting to win one. Um, but a friend who dearly loved me said, John, you enjoy these debates, but the rest of us don't. So you see, sometimes when we're just contending over our opinions, over wanting to be right, we can almost avoid being righteous. It leads us in the wrong path. It sets us in the wrong place. Amen. So that's what we are not supposed to do. But then he goes on to say, now godliness with contentment, godliness with contentment where you're not being covetous, where you're not desiring other things, where you're not seeking your own pride and your own promotion. For you are content with who you are. You're content with who the Lord is. And you're content with what he's given you. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we're going to carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which draw men in destruction, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, from for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay? Now, that, sounds, that stands in contrast with great gain. See, many sorrows, great gain. There's a choice there. But you, O oh man of God, or I could say, oh, but you, O oh people of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight, fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ, until his appearing. Amen. So this is the instruction that we've been given. Pursue godliness. Pursue godliness is what the main message of this passage is. And I believe the Lord's speaking to us this morning. In the church we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. And in the tradition and the history of the church, before the gospel of grace was rediscovered in the, in the 1500s, Martin Luther being the first one to begin to preach salvation by faith through, through, or through grace in Jesus Christ. I mean, he was the first one, but you see, they came out of a, a religion that was full of works mostly dead works. And so the doctrine of grace was no works. No works. Now in the 20th century, in the 21st century, the doctrine of grace has been do anything you want. God is okay with it. He loves you. He's going to forgive you. He's a gracious, merciful, forgiving God. But you see, that's an extreme. Every road I go down has a ditch on either side of it. And neither one of those ditches, the one on the right or the none on the left, is a good place to park your car. You need to stay centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to stay in a balance of going, I am saved by grace. But Paul says in Ephesians, we're saved by grace unto good works, which God has ordained beforehand, that we should walk in them. Amen. So anyway, you can, you can be saved by grace and you can still be useful. You can still work, but you're not working to be saved. You're working because you're saved. That's a good thing. So I just share that with you because I think it's pertinent to us in the body of Christ right now to be aware of that dangerous grace that sets a stamp on anything. It's okay. It's okay. We we want to be okay. We want to be okay with everyone. We want to be okay with anything. No, we have to stay with the godliness that is in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have come back. I I, I love reading through the Bible, but I have changed my Bible reading a little bit. I'll read a a few books, and then I'll go back and read a book in the Gospel. I'll read a few more books, and I'll go back and read another book in the Gospel. And I keep going back to the gospel because as I go back to the gospel, I hear the words of Jesus over and over again. And it just shows me. And some of the things he said are just kind of hit me up the side of the head. You haven't been thinking about that one for a while, have you? Anyway, but he taught, and he's taught us to teach these things, make disciples teaching everything that I've commanded. Amen. Everything that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus said at the end of the the sermon on the mount, the person who hears and does these things is like a man who builds his house upon the rock. The floods come, the winds blow, but the house on the rock stands firm. Amen. So I, I just want to encourage you this morning not to be caught up in that loose grace that is really a disgrace because it counts the blood of Jesus as an unworthy thing. It counts what he's done for us as an unworthy thing. It's a very precious thing that Jesus has done for us. Amen. We should never, 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 never take that for granted. Never treat it lightly. Amen. But we must, I believe, understand a need for godliness a need for godliness and so I'm going to just try to focus this morning on three words by the way this is a short message I do know how to preach short messages my preaching class in seminary I could go, go no more than 14 minutes so I know how to do that whether I do it this morning or not we'll see but anyway it's been a while but the first word we want to understand in this passage is what is godliness. What is godliness? Is it the same as holiness? I think it goes in the same direction, but I think it's something different. It's made up of two Greek words, one eu, eu, the Greek word is eusebia or use excuse me, eusebia. All right? There's an extra e in there, but so, the first part of that is the word you, which means good or well. Good or well. The second part, Sibia, comes from the word Sibomai. Sibomai. My eye, okay? It's not coming out like my retainer doesn't speak Greek. Anyway, <laughs> Sibomai. And that means devotion, characterized by a great and strong desire to pursue God. To pursue God. I believe that means to pursue God, to pursue His will, and to pursue His purpose for our lives. I mean, I believe God's calling us to that devotion that pursues Him always. Always pursuing the Lord Pursuing him to know him. The more you know him, the better you serve him. The more you know him, the more of his character is expressed through you. The more you know him, the more of his power is being able to be manifest in your life. Amen. That is the power of, of, of knowing the Lord. But to know the Lord, you have to pursue the Lord. All right, I'm trying to make this clear this morning, but I have my beautiful wife over here, Judy. This week we celebrated our 51st anniversary. Now, when I met Judy and I knew she was the one that the Lord had chosen for me, I pursued her. I didn't have to look it up in the dictionary. I pursued her because I wasn't going to be happy until we were standing in front of a church at an altar saying, I do, you do, we did. (laughs) So with the same kind of diligence, I mean, we should pursue to know the Lord. We should have that strong devotion, that strong dedication to know the Lord. And so godliness has been set before us so that we might pursue the Lord, to pursue He is. This is a good, it's a true devotion. I'm not talking about a devotion that you read for five minutes on the morning. I'm talking about a devotion that consumes you the rest of your life. Nothing wrong with a little devotion in the morning, but what really holds forth is a strong devotion that is going to dominate and consume your life every day for the rest of your life till Jesus comes or you go to be with him. Pursuing godliness is that first thing. Obtaining it is a lifetime effort. Amen. To obtain godliness. You know, uh, repentance is born when we see who God is and we see who we aren't. When we see what God thinks and compare it to what we think. Then comes that opportunity to repent and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. And I ask you to, to, to bring correction and, and direction into my life because I want to agree with you. There's that verse from the Apostle Paul where it says, Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Amen. Are we willing to let God speak into every area of our life? Is there some area in our life we just know we're so, so positively, we know what we're supposed to do. We know exactly who we're supposed to be and we're not going to let God mess with it. That's a call to repentance because the Lord wants to be involved with you. you your, your pursuit of God, your godliness should cause you to want to be with him. But believe me, he wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. But in order there has to be, you can't walk together except you be agreed. And so we have to come to that point that we quickly agree with the Lord. And it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Something occurred to me yesterday about something that happened 30 years ago and and it just felt like there was an unfinished business there. Well, it's no longer unfinished. I took care of it this morning. Because I go, Lord, I should have done this, this, and this, and I didn't, and I ask you to forgive me. You know, sometimes we, we forget about those things. But when the Lord brings them to mind, and he shows us what is there, it's that wonderful opportunity to repent. Repentance is a wonderful thing. It sets you free from your own nonsense. It brings you in to the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of God. It's a wonderful thing. Amen. And and I want to know the Lord. And I want to agree with the Lord. And so it's a lifetime pursuit. Now let's look at that word contentment. Contentment. To be made happy. To be completely satisfied and be at peace in our hearts. At peace with ourselves. Did you hear me? There's some people who've forgiven their worst enemy. Forgiven the people who ran over them with a truck and beat them up with a stick. But they can't forgive themselves for something they did. So, they have peace about those things, but they don't have peace with themselves. You have to have peace with yourself. You can't love your neighbor any better than you love yourself. If you don't forgive yourself, you're not going to be really good at forgiving somebody else. And you have to receive the forgiveness of the Lord. Once you ask for forgiveness, receive it, just accept it. It's a done deal. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's how you get godly. But we need to know that the Lord wants us to be content. I meet a lot of people who are discontent. They don't like the way this or the way that is or that person, what they're doing or that person over there. You know, I saw... picture on the internet this week and it showed a little picture of a baby and it says unless you're dealing with a baby with a wet diaper you cannot change them (laughs) those are the only people you can change (laughs) so quit trying to change other people that's not our business our business is to be changed you mean our, I don't know about you, I, I can stay plenty busy asking the Lord to change me some more. And as we do that, that, that really is what is eventually going to bring a tremendous joy and fulfillment into our life. But there are so many things that would divert us, that would confuse us, that would rob us of our, pain, our peace and of our contentment. God wants you to be content. Having food and raiment, be content. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Judy and I were taking advantage of our vacation this week, and a couple of evenings we just sat in our room and talked and talked about our life. Those fifty one years we spent together. And both of us just looked at each other and say, We really are content. We're content. God has been so, so good. He has blessed us so so much. And we have come to terms with who we are, with each other, with life. And we have an incredible peace and contentment in our heart. And it is wonderful. It is wonderful. And and it just we just kept rejoicing about that. And the words of that old hymn came. To mind, I am satisfied with Jesus. He has done so much for me. That is a great contentment. When you are satisfied with Jesus. And what he's done for you. Amen. That's what brings us that contentment. But it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is where it's interesting, okay? This morning I want to be your investment advisor. Okay? I'm going to talk about great gain. Look, there's a stock market that don't go up and down. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a place you can put your life investment, amen, where, Roth, where moth and rust cannot break through and thieves cannot break through and steal. I mean, it's safe. <laughs> It isn't secured by the federal government. It is secured by the throne of God. Amen. And it's kept by the angels of God. There's a treasure that's laid up in heaven that is precious and wonderful. Amen. But the Bible says it's in this life and in the life to come. That this gain is now and later. Amen. As a little boy, I loved candy. My favorite candy was called now and later. Because you could get two for a penny. There were four small pieces in each package. So I, had, I could have eight little pieces of candy. And these four were for now and those four were for later, whenever that was. But it went a lot farther that way. It didn't disappear in a moment. It was There was something now and there was something later. And what the Bible's talking to us about this morning is now and later. This is something that will bring you gain now. And will bring you gain later what is the great gain? first of all faith love patience gentleness these are great wonderful virtues but you don't hear them much spoken of but i tell you what they are the most precious things that there are when you have these things you are rich you have something wonderful you have something powerful in fact, love is the most powerful thing there is next to it is faith. Now he, Paul mentions patience, but patience is tied to hope. You don't, you know, when you have hope, you have to have some patience. But when you have these things, when you have faith and you have hope and you have love and you have patience and you have gentleness, you have something powerful. You have something that's rare. Rare. It is something that is, the jewels of heaven are made of. And you get some down here that you can use in your life to make it wonderful. But it comes because of godliness, because of contentment. Another great gain is peace in our hearts. Peace in our hearts. Every one of us can walk out the door this morning with the peace of God in our heart. Didn't make any difference how we were feeling coming in, what happened during the week, the news you heard, or whatever. It does not matter. You can walk out of here with the peace of God in your heart. We don't have to live in a state of anxiety, of fear, and of worry. Give them up. Give them up. Let them go. Remember from Frozen? Let it go. Let it go. It's not going to take you anywhere anyway, except downhill. You don't want to go there. But anyway. So, you see, there's, there's, God gives us that incredible peace. A peace that passes all understanding Again, I just share with you a little bit of my own testimony. Probably one of the most difficult things in my life is I could I could think on more than one channel. It could be a gift, but for me it was not a gift. It was a problem because I'd be thinking about this up here and that down there and that over there and that over there and bloop 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 and. I've told people before, it was kind of like living in a little wooden shack between two railroad tracks where trains are always going down. Just constant, constant noise. My poor wife, sometimes I have to get far over on the other side of the bed to get away from the noise in my head. There was nowhere I could go. But one day, but one day, In a service like this one. The Lord touched me. And I experienced a most amazing miracle. Peace came into my mind. And it was perfectly still. The waters were no longer troubled. The waters were still. There was this incredible peace. I still had my mind but it was only activated when I told it to be. The rest of the time, it just lay down and was quiet. Still water, is beautiful, beautiful. And to this day, I enjoy that peace. I don't lay awake at night thinking about a thousand things. I don't get up in the morning worried about everything in the world. I get up in the morning and I'm looking for Jesus and I'm looking for what he wants me to do in this day. If I need my mind, I have a good mind and I can call upon it when I need it. But when I don't need it, I turn it off. A lot of us would be happier if we turned some things off. I'm not just talking about brains. I'm talking about noise. I'm talking about telephones, computers. You know, you need a holiday from those things. I know you need them at work and stuff like that. But you don't need them 24 hours a day. Men, so I don't know. Sometimes I just want to take my phone out and shoot it. But life was a lot easier before it was so important. Right? Right? But those things can be such commotion where you're always thinking about this, always thinking about that. So trying to keep those things to a minimum. But I tell you, I enjoy that miracle that the Lord gave me. And and I don't think he's any respecter of persons. I think what he did for me, he'll do for you. But there is other gain to be gained. Attitudes and actions that bring forth a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Attitudes lead to actions. If we could recognize those attitudes before they get completely out of control and jump out of the box and take over our life, The Lord called us to have dominion, not to be controlled, but to control these things in our life. We tell our kids, don't we, Sam? You got a bad attitude, go to your room and don't come out until you change it. And if you have trouble changing it, I'll be there to help you. (laughs) Right? That's what it takes. But we know with our kids, we can't let them live with a rotten attitude because then it's just going to ruin their day and it's going to probably ruin ours too and not somebody else's. So the thing is, if, <laughs> if we so discipline our kids, <laughs> let the Lord discipline his kids and tell us that's the wrong attitude. You have the wrong attitude about that. You need to change your attitude. Go to your room and pray till you change your attitude. I think it'll change things. But, you know, we can get crazy, crazy, crazy attitudes. But if our attitudes and our actions become the peaceable fruit of righteousness, oh, we got something. Because we get, not only have peace, but we can be peacemakers, peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That's great gain. Give us the power to bring peace. There's some people step in the room and create confusion. There are other people who step in the room and bring peace. Bring order. Bring understanding. Bring light. We need to be those godly people who bring light into the room. Who bring love into the situation. Who bring understanding to those who need understanding. Wisdom to those who need wisdom. There's a way to be a peacemaker God's calling us to be peacemakers. That's great gain, folks. You know how much they pay consultants to go around and fix problems in companies? We get that as a benefit to being a child of God. We can be peacemakers. We can bring reconciliation. Our dear friend, Dr. Chris Ludovic, was known throughout Africa and Europe as a great peacemaker. When there was a conflict, they would bring him in to bring people to, to understanding with each other and bring reconciliation. He was one of the ones at the end of all of those troubles there in, in Ireland who brought reconciliation. God used him to bring reconciliation in many situations. And I don't believe that's limited to him. I believe we can be peacemakers. I woke up one morning, the Lord told me to go pray for my friend who was a pastor in cancer. And he was in a hospital downtown Seattle. And uh, I go, okay. So I went down there and I got there. And to my great interest, three children were there. One in that corner. One in that corner, one in that corner over there, and Papa was over there laying on the bed with cancer. And this one over here is not talking to either one of those two and like this. In fact, there's quite a bit of tension in the room. I go, Lord, what on earth do I do? He says, go pray for him. <laughs> so I spoke up in my best little pastoral voice. And I said, let's pray for your dad. So he went over to the bed, prayed for him. Two miracles happened. One is he got healed. The second thing that happened was I turn around and here's these three ornery people making peace with each other. God can do it. God can do it if we just let him. If we just let him, if we believe That all things are possible. If we believe that we can bring peace, we can bring reconciliation, we can be used of God for those things. That's one of the great privileges of godly people. Amen. We have settled it with God so we can help other people settle it. Right? What you got, you can give. That's another benefit. That's one of the great gains. That we have. But there's another game. We will become light in a dark world and saltless in a society that's pretty tasteless. The Lord will be there to bring transformation to the lives of others. There will be a putting off, I believe, of the old man and the putting on of the new man. In Christ Jesus, that takes place in us, but then eventually can take place through us. Once you've submitted to the process, God can use you to help others through it. Amen? I've seen my wife help a lot of people in childbirth because she went through it three times, she knew what was involved. So, you know, the thing is, is when you have had transformation in your life, then you can help others find that power of transformation in their life. Amen? How many of you woke up this morning saying, Lord, I want to be a transformer? That was a, that was double meaning. But you know, the thing about transformer toys is you can take them from being this to being that. But transforming Christians have been taken from being this to being that. We can be transformers. Because Jesus is a transformer. And if we're with him, if we're walking with him, God can use us in the business of bringing transformation to a world that desperately, desperately needs it. I believe this is what will make the church strong. That's why I'm sharing it with you this morning. This is for all of us, not for some of us. For all of us. Because God wants all of us to be on the wall, so to speak. Wants all of us to be in the ready. But I believe if we will pursue godliness, the church will become a lighthouse to the lost. A hospital to the sick. Restoration to those who are broken hope to those who are hopeless, strength to the weak, knowledge and wisdom and revelation of God, which will stand in contrast to the foolishness of man. Amen. This is powerful stuff. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Is great gain. God wants us to be gainers. Great gainers, Bruce. Great gainers. Not just a dribble, but an abundance. Right? God doesn't stop with just enough. He doesn't stop. When, when he serves us at the table, he keeps pouring, not just till the cup is full, but till the cup runs over. Isn't that beautiful? You say, "Why? Well, why is he going to run over? Well, what's in the cup is yours. What's run over, give it to somebody else. God gave it to you. Do it. Something with it. Amen. He fills your cup. Give them a drink. Because he does more than enough. You know, there's a neat little thing about that. Eastern hospitality required you to take any stranger in for one night. And if when you served him, you just filled his cup full, he could only stay one night. That was required by law. But if you overran that cup, it meant he could stay as long as he needed to. The Lord made our cup overflow. So we can make the cups of others overflow. We don't want to just have one night. We want them to be able to stay as long as they need, as long as they want. Amen. There's, that's that's that overflowing love of God. That's that abund- abounding grace of God. That love that cannot be limited. That perfect love that is completely and totally available at all times. Godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Just say it to yourself. Godliness with contentment is great Gain. Just keep saying that through the week. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I've been thinking about it for a week and I'm getting more excited every day. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. So let the goodness of God come into your life. Pursue your devotion to him, your faithfulness to him, pursue him with all your heart, love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Don't hold anything back because godliness with contentment will bring great gain. Will you stand with me?